Welcome to Sprinkle Hope Podcast with your host, Jason, and we have an amazing guest with us today, Samantha Gash. She comes to us from Australia, and we, Shane and I had an awesome, awesome conversation with her, and she was dropping nuggets the whole time. Seriously, she has some amazing advice, especially for, for women in particular, because uh, that's kind of what her movement is, is to help women find a you know better opportunities and things in life to progress. But this this was an awesome, awesome episode that Shane and I really enjoyed. I love connecting with people this way. It really makes my heart happy. This was one of my favorite episodes that we've had so far. Really need to listen. And Samantha Gash is amazing. She gives fantastic insight and content. So please listen and thank you guys so much for all that you do for us. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. This is Jason. And this is Shane. And it's podcast time. Welcome to Sprinkled with Hope podcast with your host, Jason. And we are so excited to have Samantha Gash with us. Samantha, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Ah, no, it's an absolute privilege to be chatting to you guys. Yeah, you're coming all the way to us from Australia, and for you, it's morning. For us, it's uh, getting close to the evening time, but we're really glad to have you on. So just as an introduction for who Samantha is, in 2010, she took on the Ford Desert's Grand Slam, and for those of you that don't know, it's a 250-kilometer ultra marathon across the driest desert, the windiest, the hottest, and the coldest. In Chile, China, Sahara Desert, and Antarctica. That in and of itself is incredible that you did that. Um, but, you know, not only did she do that, she was the first woman and the youngest to do it, which it, <laughs> that's also amazing. And you had a movie made about that particular event, correct? There was a filmmaker out there. I mean, at the time, we didn't really know what she was filming. But yes, I was one of the four characters who are in um, the film called Desert Runners. That's awesome. Well, um, if I uh, missed anything or you'd like to fill in anything, just kind of give us a little bit of extra background on who Samantha is. Oh, I mean, that's, I guess it's my starting experience in the world of ultramarathoning. And then there's, you know, there's the, the me before I even knew this thing existed. And um, I think, I guess bizarrely, I just didn't even, I wasn't even a runner. I wasn't even a sporty person. So it was the world of ultramarathon running that kind of opened up a completely different lens of the world to me. Uh, And it's not because I loved the run. I loved what this experience was, you know, the people that you meet, the places that you go, what you discover about yourself. Uh, And I would say, yeah, I guess I started my ultra running career in those competitive races uh, and then I was drawn far more into, you know, how do you create your own adventure? And I actually think that's really relevant for the time that we live in now when, you know, so many races can't operate, um, but we still need to feel like we're achieving goals and we're being physically mobile where we can and we can still be exploring like our boundaries. Uh, so I feel happy in the sense that I took it upon myself to make sure that I could live the life that I want to lead you know, because sometimes things happen to us, not of our choosing. And I think, you know, when you push the bound in ultramarathon running, it can actually facilitate you knowing how to extend yourself in other areas of your life as well. Yeah, that's something that I found fascinating as I was looking at your history that 
you talk a lot about that, the push to get through that boundary and not, not so much the, the race itself, but that mental challenge that you have to go through. So for those of us like me included that aren't runners um, that don't even like to run a mile, <laughs> um, yeah. t- talk about talk about the difference between the mental and the physical challenges of a race like that. I'm just curious to pick your brain and see how do you see that mental and that physical challenge? Yeah, well, I think it starts from the very beginning. So thinking that you can sign up for something like this, I think it starts with the mental. If you've never done something like this before, I think a good dose of naivety is not a bad thing, maybe a little (laughs) bit of ego. Um, And I think those sometimes bolster our confidence and self-belief that what is impossible based on the fact that we've never done it before can be possible for us. So I think that's kind of like start line, you know, well, not even pre-start line. And then I think to get to the start line, you actually need to kind of drop the ego a little bit to like mentally prepare yourself. And of course the physical is a component of that, but it's like the reason for me, like I come from a legal background. So I always used to go, you know, what I like in physical experience, I'm going to make up for it with my methodical application to every element of what an ultra marathon is. Um, And there's more than just the run. There's a lot of these races require you to have kit. Um, So like your gear, mandatory items, then items that you perceive are essential for you. And so that's analysis and that's trial and error. You know, I'm very small. I'm I'm under five foot. Uh, And so I always have to be really critical in my analysis, deciding what's essential to cross a desert versus what's a luxury item Mm -hmm. um, because my body just can't handle the weight. Um, And I think for a lot of people my size, I might go, well, I just can't do that. I can't carry the packs that I see the guys carrying. But I, I think we all have perceived disadvantages. Some are obvious and some can be more concealed. And so if everyone on the start line of a race has a perceived disadvantage and everyone in the world has a perceived disadvantage, you may as well just focus on your assets and your strengths. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a limitation for you trying new things. And then when the race starts, it is a blend of physical and mental. But then when you get to about two-thirds of the race, so much of it is mental. Yeah. Um I know you all know I've done the training and there's a lot of people who probably go in with too much naivety and, you know, then they'll just hopefully they can just use their willpower to kind of get them through in whatever way possible. But if you want to do it in a way that is not going to break you physically uh, and sustain you, your, your well-being after the event, I think, you know, you want to focus on your physical training and then you want to focus on mental and most importantly, I like to think of all the challenges that might come my way in those events knowing that I probably won't ever think of all of them. Um, Now Mm. being experienced, I probably can think of a good portion of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I don't just like to think of them. I like to kind of visualize how I will overcome them. And so that bolsters up my confidence that really I can tackle the situations that might come my way. And it also takes the element of surprise out the window. So if I, I think, you know, I might get dehydrated. Okay, what will that look like? If I think that I might get lost, which has happened many times, um, <laughs> what will that look like? If I didn't wear my lucky underwear, like what will I do? Um, there's all these different things that could happen. And then, um, I, yeah, I think that's been a, a definitely an asset for me going through that process before the event even starts because, and sorry, I'm rambling. No, you're great. When you're 
Thank you. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> I think when you get to mental and physical overwhelm, you know, it's like any type of anxiety or stress, you know, in any arena, um, they're actually the same. Physical stress and mental stress, they're just stress to the body. And so when you're at that brink, I think we think there are too few options at our disposal. And so it's very easy to quit when you're mm. there. And so part of the game is working out whilst you're working alongside stress, don't you've got to play with it. You've got to know how that stress can be good and to keep it at bay and to reduce it where possible because if you get into a crux situation of a, a crisis, you need to know how to be able to think of everything that you can do before quitting. Yeah, I love that. And and I think that a lot of, you know, we can take that analogy of, you know, you preparing for this race, right? And and put it in in, you know, this thing we called life. And yes. you know, and you can try to think of all the scenarios in your head of the things that are going to come up, right? Like you're preparing for this race, you're thinking, okay, I could get dehydrated, I could get cold, I could get you know, overheated, I you know, all of these things and you can kind of try to prepare yourself, but ultimately you may not know until you go through an experience. So how do you, how have you found to relate your running with, you know, dealing with this thing called life? Well, they, they say, um, I read a book a while ago and once again, I'm looking at my bookshelf for the inspiration of the name, <laughs> but I think it was, it was about like enduring. And they talked about how like um, life, I mean, ultra marathons are so similar to life in general, except it's like life condensed because the degree and the number of psychological challenges that you go through in a short period of time. Uh, and I just think the more you go beyond your known, the more you build up your toolkit for survival, um, for your capacity to endure. And so I, def- I think sometimes people who are runners, they, they isolate what they learn in the run to just running. Mm. And then they don't know how, to, and I think in vice versa, you know, like there are, I, I do a lot of things with like women in the outdoors and I've recently created an organisation, a company called Her Trails, which is about equipping women to, with skills um, and confidence to go out into nature and to wild places and move their bodies, whether it's through running or hiking or mountain biking. And I hear so many women in their 30s and 40s and 50s say to me, but I never learned how to be self-reliant in the outdoors as a kid. Like I didn't know how to set a fire. I don't know how to carry a pack. I don't know how to X, Y, Z, you know, and then I go, do you not realize that in all the other things that you do in your life, you have untapped the capacity for self-reliance. You know how to be a lateral thinker. You know how to problem solve under duress. Um, You know how to like focus really hard. And then you know how to multitask when you have to, you know, all these skill sets are so good into other arenas. Don't just silo them into one experience. I think that is such great wisdom. When you were talking about at the starting line that you could see people's um, challenges or whatever, whatnot, the physical aspect of that. And I was, I was thinking about the mental side of that as well, that there are certain things that I think um, that you, you can't see those things, but you have to mentally prepare yourself for something that challenging. Mm. So you know, not only are you a runner, but you have raised well over a million dollars for charities. I think that's very commendable. So pat yourself on the back. That's great. So <laughs> what, why are you motivated to do that as well? Like I know running is great and that's a release for people, but you know, why, why tie in the raising money for these charities? 
Mm. Well, the first thing I'll respond to is kind of when you said there's things that are going to happen that you don't know, how do you meant to prepare yourself? Like, I just want to say, like, that's the adventure part of it. Like, <laughs> you're not meant to know everything. Like, that's why we do these things. Like, we actually, if it was all set in stone, if we knew what the process would look like, we knew 100% what the end destination would be. I mean, is that really exciting? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think even a more broader definition of adventure is a journey with an unknown outcome. And these are journeys of our choosing and not of our choosing. So a global pandemic, I'll say, was an adventure, not of our choosing. But, and I know you guys in the States are still very much in the thick of it. And, and we, like where I live in Victoria, we did it really tough last year too. We were in stage four lockdown for 120 days where we couldn't leave a five-kilometre radius of our home. We were only allowed to be outside for one hour a day. And no, no businesses could operate if they couldn't operate from home. So that was for 120 days. Wow. Uh, we were told wow. it would last for six weeks. So, like, you know, we haven't, it hasn't, it didn't, we're in a really great situation right now in Australia, but we have kind of gone through a hardship with it as well. And now people who are on the other side of it, it's people starting to go, oh, there were things that I actually took out of that time. Like I learned how to simplify my life I might not have been earning the income that I previously had earned but I learned to remove my subscriptions with the exception of Netflix (laughs) and um, you know I I've never been grounded before so I've never spent so much time with my children and yes it was really hard to homeschool them but we did create some rituals in that time frame that I would like to keep now and I'm always really careful saying this to to a broad audience because some people are doing it really, really, really tough that don't have the fundamentals of a roof over their head and food on their table. But for everyone else who can make it work with those fundamentals at play, there are silver linings. And it's like all the balls are thrown up in the air and which ball do you now want to choose? You don't necessarily have to be on autopilot anymore. Like you can kind of maybe when you get to a crux and it feels like the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen to you, it's almost the most beautiful thing because there's now choice about where you want to go next. I love um, that analogy I mean, because yeah. I just envisioned all these balls going up and you grab the one you that's most important yes. for you. That's not a yeah. right or wrong, that's not a wrong decision. That's the one you want. So I love that analogy. I mean, the only thing that we can control sometimes is our response and I think that's really powerful. I mean, it's just, it reminds you that you're in the driver's seat, you know, that Dr. Sue saying like, and then you can steer yourself whichever direction you choose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sometimes don't own our responses. We just kind of like bumble around life and get told what to do and go to work at the same time and live rigidly. I mean, when we're kids, we have such open minds about who we want to be and what we want to do. And the older we become, the more fixed we become in our thinking and more limited we become in our dreaming. And so why should there not be the ability that through a global pandemic, we actually start to think about how we want to live our lives in this moment, but also post pandemic. Yeah. I, I love that, that, that analogy as well with the balls. It kind of reminded me of, of analogy that I heard a couple of years ago, which was, you know, you got all these, things that are going on in life, family and work and all this stuff, and you're juggling them, but they're glass balls, right? And so you're juggling these glass balls and it's like, which ones do you really not care too much about that you can just drop and they'll shatter, right? So like family, we don't want to drop that one. We're going to keep juggling that one. And and so I, I love that, that you brought that to, 
to to the mind's eye right like that that these things are juggling and we can choose which ones we want to to pull out i like it i like that glass pass of it part of it it reminds me of this theory called the four burner theory and it's like each burner of the stove represents a different area of your life you know family i think it's friends work and health and they say to be really really successful i think only one or maybe two burners can be on and to just be like Mm. generally successful i think you can have maybe three burners going um and so it's like it is choice everything we say yes to that does mean that we're saying no to something else and so again it's that whole thing of choice like we actually have choice in what we want to do and i think a lot of people forget that they have choice about their lives yeah and then you said because i can be on a completely <laughs> different tangent you asked about why do i use running um and kind of connect it to social advocacy and, and fundraising really early in my run career, it got to this point where I I saw that I was pushing myself so hard, um, like both mentally and physically. Sorry, my little son's about to walk into the room. It's all good. Yes, he is. (laughs) Hi, Harry. We're on a podcast. (laughs) Are you going to say, I want sultanas? Yeah. You can sit here for a a second. Of course. Dad went off to CrossFit, so he just left Harry upstairs, you know? (laughs) Do you want to have this? Let me just give him this. Do you want this? <laughs> yeah. How about you sit down? Or it's not COVID. Trust me. <laughs> it, it, it's daycare. They have a lot of other costs. Oh no! Can you try that? Yeah. We're, we're multitasking, uh, guys. This is what we do. This is yeah. if we were in. Yeah. Love where it. Where we're all. I know it's mummy. Let's give you this. <laughs> Yes, I'm a parent. Um, I love it how I don't even know how to. I'm a parent. Okay. Cool. I love this because we're having a discussion, but Samantha <laughs> needs to focus on her family right now. It's exactly what she did. Just you focus on your. Yeah, don't drop that ball, that yeah, glass ball, you know. Fantastic. Yeah. They're always, they've got to be number one. We can yep. always edit this stuff post. There you go. Absolutely. That's the beauty of it, right? <laughs> okay. the, the volume's got to go down, but you can have that. Mummy's just going to be a little bit longer. You sit down. Okay. We're back on. Sometimes a little bit, a little bit of um, educational technology is not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so social advocacy. Um, yeah, it didn't take long to me to realise in my kind of running pursuits that I started to feel a little bit empty. Um, I started to feel like I was pushing the boundaries really excessively and I loved that. But after you push them only, you know, a couple of times, you're like, okay, I'm doing the same thing. Like I'm pushing it mentally and physically again and again. And I go, well, what does this all mean? And then there's like these some people who are so um, driven by the time and their placing and being competitive. And that is absolutely okay. If that's what wires you, then go out and do it. But if it's not what wires you, you need to find the why if you want to keep doing that thing. Otherwise, you get exposed and you won't last it. And for me, I always wanted to be, um, well, my early days, I either wanted to be an actress or a lawyer. Um, and when I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted to be a lawyer for the, the UN or some form of international organisation. So I've always had a bent to contribution, um, social advocacy, um, particularly like exploring the rights of women and children and access to education programs. Uh, and I just never in my wildest dreams would have thought that running an adventure 
and storytelling, particularly on a digital sense, would be the mechanism in which I would do that. I thought it would be like that formal legal training. And I just think sometimes, again, like if you know what is important to you, your values, um, what you want to achieve in this world, the way in which you do it may look different the older you get. And it may look different based on the things that you expose yourself to. So, yeah. (laughs) So I guess most notably, like in 2016, I ran across India uh, and I was exploring the barriers to why children are unable to access a quality education. And, you know, some people just look at the run and think, oh, okay, so she ran across India for 77 days. And they don't actually know that it was like a four and a half year journey, literally just to the start line from like, you know, conceiving the idea to then developing the idea and then traveling to India and then collaborating with the largest not-for-profit organization in the world, which is World Vision. And then, you know, just Oh, and then a little bit of training. <laughs> but then the rest is like logistics because yeah. I was running across a country that's so diverse and, and quite complex. Um, and then building a team in India and then my team that I knew from home. So it was, the, this is an example of where the preparation and the mindset is bigger than the physical training, um, but they do each have a play place. Yeah, there really is some fantastic advice that you're giving. I, I am loving this discussion. So Samantha, going forward, what what are some things, maybe one or two things um, that you're most excited or looking forward to in the near future? So much stuff. <laughs> it's, it's full of possibilities. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to continuing this presence with my family. Um, I think pre-pandemic, I was in the air a little bit too much, meaning I was flying everywhere. Uh, and so now I, I do a lot of work as a corporate speaker. And, you know, there's a lot of corporate speakers are like, I miss a live audience. And I totally do. I got to speak to my first live audience the other day and I could have licked all their faces. Yes. So <laughs> to see them. <laughs> but also I, you know, we've, as you can see, I've got like the mic and I normally have a light, but you, know, you don't need to see how tired I look right now. Um, and so I have, Mark and I, my husband, have created a space where we can deliver really great presentations you know, virtually. And so I'm looking forward to the hybrid of, you know, live presentations and virtual ones so I can be at home more with my family uh, and not be in, on planes so much. I think I was on planes like four to five times a week. It's too much. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then also like I've got a project planned for next year with an incredible woman called um, Megan Hine, who's based in the UK. And she's amazing. And, you know, I think moving forward, what's really exciting me, and this is not to like limit my ability to work with men, but I'm really excited to work with women. And, you know, the early part of my career is very solo. And then I created, it was myself and a team. And now it's like, I want to be myself side by side with another woman who's like, you know, equally strong and creative but we have, our strengths are different. So we actually can create an even better, um, more rounded, holistic, whatever it is, because we come at it from a different perspective. Uh, so I've got a project planned with Megan next year and then just focusing on her trails. It's like, it's, you know how we talk about the balls being up in the air. I, I was caressing a couple of balls and I was like, which sounds so wrong. Um, and, and I was thinking, um, I'm going to try a couple of these. Like I'm going to 
because I don't know in this new world what's actually going to work or what I'm actually going to like. So, you know, I had my mum saying, maybe just try one thing at a time. And I'm like, no, I'm going to try a couple and I'm going to, I am going to invest in them, but I am going to use the first six months to kind of go, which one makes the most sense viscerally, like tangibly um, on a community level. And I think her trails is definitely one that just feels very, very, very right. I mean, we launched our first um, online program which was a 21.1 kilometre on trail for women, but with strength, mobility, an audio-guided long-run podcast, you know, a 12-part video series called Trail Time. Um, and it just, it's kind of taken off in like a really great way and community has been created. And I just think like year 2021 and moving forward, it is going to be all about the move away from the eye of the collective. And that's at least the space in which I want to see the world. And so that means everything that I do lives up to that. That's awesome. I, I love the advocacy part because I think that that's, you know, you're not just helping one or two, you know, with that kind of money that you're raising, right, that you can really help many, many people that for whatever reason, right, that, that, need, that need some help, especially right now. Um, yeah, so- well, a bunch of that... Yeah, a bunch of that was raised through a campaign called the Relief Run. And I don't know if you guys heard it, but, I mean, in 2020, the beginning of the year, let's give him a little stroke. Oh, he's so sweet. He's just, isn't it so nice to hear? Like, see, you hear your kid in the background, you're kind of doing a bit of work and your fear internally is like, oh, I'm looking unprofessional or it's going to be really annoying them. But we've all had to work at home with our children. And so, like, the last thing you should be doing is like telling your toddler, shh, be quiet, yeah. don't sing. Yeah. Like just it's okay. Like us as adults, like maybe there's more grace in our understanding of what it is to yeah. be professional. And in fact, they're, it's not like they're not two separate worlds, personal and professional. Like there's a blur um, and it's all on display right now. And to be a better human, meaning to be a better parent, is to kind of go, you guys can handle a little background noise that said like yeah. a child singing. We're totally cool with that. Love it. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. But we have this, you know, I remember when I kind of first went back to work and I was a corporate speaker and I like um, took Harry on every corporate event that I did in the first you know, year of his life. He literally went everywhere. And so many people were like, did you ask the corporate permission if you could bring your baby? And I'm like, nah. I'm not going to ask their permission. Like he's coming. Like what do they expect? I've got like a four month old. I'm breastfeeding. Like if they want me to go on the other side of the country, like it should be almost implied that I'm going to have my child and I'll have someone looking after him whilst I'm on stage. Sometimes it was the AV person, but most (laughs) of the time I got someone there and it's just, we need to see more displays of, of what it takes to be a working mother, a working father. uh, And that, this is a part of our life. In fact, this is the most important part of our life and our work is what we do. It's not who we are and doesn't mean that we can't be incredible at the work that we do. It's just that this is our reality. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm happy to hear that background noise. It's. (laughs) Well, you have to say that now, don't you? (laughs) No, actually it's, you know, it's, it it is our reality. It is that, you know, you are a mother, you have a son that you need to care for. He needs you. You don't just say, all right, no, your timing is not very good for me. You know, he needs you when he needs you, not when you decide that it's convenient. Right. 
you're a mom yeah, 24 7 24/7 guys even if you wish it was 23 <laughs> 7 exactly right. <laughs> but that does link to another thing um again speaking about kind of i don't know how many of your audience is women but i think it's important for me to also hear this as well is you know, I recently went off and did a 10-day trip in Tasmania, a hiking trip, and um, a lot of people go, oh, like, how did you how did you get out there? Like, how, you've got a child, he's two and a half. Like, how did you and your husband, like, come to this agreement that you could go away for 10 days? And I was like, I created it. Like, no one's going to give me 10 days to do something like that unless I drive it. I mean, you might, I sometimes say to my husband, I think you need, you should encourage him, like, you should go on that surfing trip with the guys, like, totally do that. It's good for you. You know, I can take care of the fort at home. Um, this makes you, you, and it also, it, it, it fuels you up and it, you know, makes you an even better, you know, dad when you're here. Um, and so, what I would say to so many people, the men and women listening to this, is if you need space, if you have passions that uh, doesn't, don't allow you to be physically present, you know, for a sh- short period of time, try and make that happen, you know, but obviously the communication is a critical part and yeah. understanding, you know, what are the needs of the family, but, you know, gender specific time is a great thing as is like co, you know, um, gender time as well, but you've, you have to make those opportunities happen for you because, your life doesn't also just stop because you become a parent as well. Like the things that used to excite you pre-parenthood, they're still a part of you. Yes, you have to navigate them in a different way, but you shouldn't let them go entirely. Um, you know, I'm massively, you know, big advocate for women about finding ways of retaining the, the pieces of them that they had before becoming mothers. And I get it. Like you actually have to consciously work really, really hard at it. It doesn't just, it's not just naturally given to you. Yeah, I, that's a... That's an awesome nugget right there for those that are listening. That that was great advice. And uh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. So right at the end of, of our podcast recordings, we uh, we do what's called the double down dose. And Shane and I in, individually ask a, a question to you. And so the first question is, is what is your definition of hope? Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't rush it because it's not like I have no. a natural one. Um, for me, hope links to the mindset of realistic optimism. You know, hope is acknowledging that tough things happen to us, um, to not pretend that's not the case. Like it's hard, you know, to kind of relate to someone's version of hope when they don't own the bad stuff. Um, but the but they're very quickly able to flip that challenging stuff around and go, this is what I can turn it into and this can be an opportunity for me. I often think um, gifts are disguised as challenges. We just don't know at the time. And so a lot of the time I go, okay, this seems really, really crappy right now. It could be an injury before a race or losing a job. Um, You know, you, you think they're horrific things, but sometimes, again, the balls are thrown up in the air. Which one am I going to now choose? And that's a realistic optimism that I think, is so much about hope. That's mm. awesome. It's really good. So the second part of double down dose usually is how do you, how would you define love? But I'm going to ask you a different question. We're we're starting to mix this up just a little bit. So what, what does passion mean to you? Oh, passion is bravery. Passion is creativity. It's throwing yourself into unknown spaces and being comfortable in discomfort. 
and not needing to know every single step of the way. I mean, passion is like the ability for us to, as humans, extend, which is what we were designed to do. Like we were designed to evolve, not stick into like a, a very tightly constrained box. Although I will say, and I'm now moving it to a longer answer, <laughs> so I feel like... <laughs> I'm never very good at like, okay, we're going to one-on-one answer. I'm like, give me a 20-word answer. Love it. Um, But, you know, like sometimes the more successful we become, the more we actually play in our tight lane because we're fearful of starting from the beginning again to be a beginner. And actually it's crazy because you think successful people are the ones that are constantly evolving and exploring and sometimes they're not the ones Mm. um, because they don't want to be at the bottom again. So I would say whether you perceive yourself as successful or you think that, you know, you're just the everyday Joe Blow that's doing the best that they can, everyone has an obligation and responsibility internally to extend themselves. It just, that's what life is about. It's about kind of playing outside the lines Um, And choosing then when in moments we want to be in the safe zone, which is also important for our humankind and our ability to feel safe and secure. But if we want evolution, if you want to feel passion, you've got to get outside. I love it. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And and just in closing, one other question that I wanted to ask you is what, what question do you wish more people would ask you that they don't? No, I don't have that because I I think, uh, oh, Harry, oh, happy <laughs> pass it to me. Um, <laughs> um, it's so funny because he, um, he's been a little bit slow with his, just a little bit delayed with his speech. Um, and so actually when I hear him even trying to communicate with me and I'm like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go so for good. it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> go for go it. On. Whatever word you want to say, say it. Yeah, go for um, it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm so not prescriptive on what people say. Um, I don't ever go leave a conversation going, I wish they said that. Cause I'll, as you can tell, I'll answer the question the way I want to anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, as long as people are present and are listening, then that's all I can ever ask in any conversation mm-hmm. that I ever have with someone, whether that's an interview or an informal moment, people who want to listen and don't kind of have an agenda about where we necessarily go. Like that's the best conversation because we're actually connecting. And learning about each other. That's great. Yeah. I have very much enjoyed this discussion. I love that you answer the question exactly how you want it to be. That, that's the beauty of these interviews is that we want you to be yourself. And so, Samantha, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, it was such a pleasure to start my weekend with you guys. Like, seriously, you're both, you're both such friendly faces to see. And as you know, I love Utah. So when the world opens up, I'll be uh, kind of finding your email address and going, hey, guys, let's go for a hike. Absolutely. Let's do <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm totally down. Do yeah. Yes, I'm all for You'll it. You'll probably destroy us, but uh, hey, that's okay. <laughs> then, I, then I'll say, okay, put me on your shoulders. Let's go. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like a great adventure to me. (laughs) Yes, I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Samantha, and best wishes to to you and your family. We're, We're so grateful that you came on.